I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Rivka, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Rivka? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. And you uh, you brought your husband along with you again. I did. Well, I had so much fun last time, we thought we'd try again. So <laughs> Great. Well, um, typically we would ask what invitations we've been working on. Burke, have you been working on any invitations from General Conference? You know, I'm not really a specific uh, invitation from General Conference kind of person. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there's got to be other people out there like me. I've never really been a goal setter. Um, but as I work through my journey of sainthood on a daily basis. Yes, I'm always trying to improve. And I guess the thing I actually have been working on the last few weeks is being better at journaling, which I start again every oh. few years. And so this is another few weeks of starting again. Great. Well, I'm a terrible journaler, so I'm impressed that you you even start. <laughs> so between the three of us, I think we have three um, broad and very different approaches covered here. So yes. Burke is uh, not working on the specific things. I am hyper-specific. Um, <laughs> and Rivka is um, going to tackle the whole thing all at once, uh, all the invitations to be a disciple. <laughs> Perfect. Isn't it wonderful that there are so many different personalities in the world that makes it an exciting place to live? Well, for me, I just feel like there's so few things in the gospel that I have mastered, like none of them, that it doesn't really matter what <laughs> I'm working on. So <laughs> just, just just pick one. Uh, well, Rivka, how is your your invitation to be a better disciple going? How What's your progress there? Um, I, it's going really well. I did my compassion challenge that I finished for the two weeks is all I did. I know you're supposed to do 21 days or something to form a new habit, but I can say that regularly working on that. And I talked a little bit about that before has helped me to understand that developing a compassionate heart and the ability to be compassionate in any circumstance starts inside and not in our interactions. And as I learn to have a more compassionate outlook on just everything around me and on myself, um, then the ability to act in compassionate ways comes because you're thinking that way. And so you don't have right. to plan out ways to be compassionate, but you find yourself thinking and feeling compassionately. And then when the spirit moves you to act, you can, and it is right. genuine and authentic. So that was a, that was a big um, like good thing for me to learn in developing a compassionate spirit. That's pretty cool. Um, have you, do you have an example of that that's happened in the last week or two? Um, I, yeah, there have been times, um, when 
because I've been working on this, that I've noticed that things that typically would have frustrated me, um, and uh, for me, it happens most frequently in my family dynamics, because it's where I spend most of my time, and especially with my kids, things that have in the past and would typically frustrate me and have me acting and speaking and (laughs) not the kindest tones, maybe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that I have noticed right away those feelings um, and been able to take a breath and think, what is the what is the compassionate way to look at this and how, um, you know, is my child frustrating me? Is their behavior frustrating me? I mean, it's frustrating me, but is their behavior that way because of something that's going on with them? And maybe I can address that instead of my frustration with them and what's going on and can I help? And more than one occasion that has really borne some great fruit Um, where I've had good parenting opportunities and they've had opportunities to discuss things that are in their heart. And so instead of it creating a situation of, of conflict or contention, um, it's created a unifying and, and bonding and growing experience for both of us. Fantastic. That is a really great application of the gospel. And you didn't say this exactly, but I was thinking about, you know, putting together a giant service project at the ward level and or stake level and putting in, you know, hundreds of man hours to, to do this thing. And um, those are good things too. But sometimes, you know, it's those small little daily gospel things that we apply to our, our regular ordinary lives where we're talking to our kids or whatever that, that bear the most eternal fruits. So mm-hmm. that's a great story. Thanks, Ripka. Well, I've still been plugging away at the Gospel Library app section on mental health. Um, It is uh, very rich, and it has been a good experience for me to to help me have compassion, I think, Rivka. So maybe I didn't start with the same goal, but maybe some end results are similar. And um, there are so many resources in the Gospel Library app. So I'm sort of extending that goal towards, you know, going through some more of those resources as well. So there's there's quite a bit yeah. uh, going on in that app that's that's so good to learn about. So that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Well, today we're going to discuss the talk, God's Love, the Most Joyous to the Soul by Susan H. Porter, first counselor in the primary general presidency. And Burke, we'll start with you. What was the fundamental doctrine you think she was teaching here? I'm just going to quote what she says from the second paragraph and uh, quote, when you know and understand how completely you are loved as a child of God, it changes everything, unquote. I love it. That is exactly what I highlighted as the fundamental doctrine. And she just led out with this grand sweeping statement. So um, let's dig into that a little bit more. Tell me, tell me more about that, Burke, and why it was meaningful to you. You know, because I think the biggest barrier I have to living the gospel and becoming like Christ is honestly motivation. (laughs) Like, it's really Hmm. hard to do things if you don't feel like you want to. And I don't always want to. Uh, Maybe I'm the only one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Unlikely. 
<laughs> but but how often that I pray specifically to want the things that God wants for me. Because if I really wanted them, things would be so much easier. And it's like here she's like, well, if you really understood how much he loves you, it's going to change those things. It's going to make you want those other things. So uh, I really agree. I think it can change everything. And I'm continually working to have it change things in my life. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought about motivation. I, I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, that I sort of put that together until you just said it about doing things because the Lord, because you love the Lord and he loves you. I, I think there's so many reasons to live the gospel and, you know, sometimes we do it out of duty or obligation. Sometimes we do it out of fear. And I think what she's talking about here and what you're talking about, Burke is, is sort of that higher and holier way, the highest and holiest way out of, out of pure love, yeah. which is what we hope to all get to. So, um, Rivka, did you have a different take on the fundamental doctrine she was teaching? Or if you picked out the same thing as Burke, what did it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, I do have highlighted that same one um, about when we understand how completely we're loved. It changes everything. Um, and I think, and I know I've talked about this before in the podcast, and we've talked about this before, that his, if we understand his love for us, we understand our relationship to him and our identity. And one of the things that struck me about this talk, um, was, and this is, I wrote this down in my notes during conference, peace in a settled heart comes when we seek to understand and claim our identity as a child of God. And so for me, a a big takeaway from this talk was that if we understand and feel his love for us, we know better who we are and whose we are. And having that sense of identity is, is vital in our, in our foundation, in our spiritual foundations. Um, it's, it helps us know what we need to do and, um, what we can become. And at least for me, it helps me to feel confidence in approaching the Lord for help that I need. Yeah. I want to add a little bit of context to what you just said, Rivka. So before we started recording, um, I asked Rivka and Burke if they were ready for this talk. And Rivka said, well, I haven't read this one recently. And, um, and knowing Rivka, I said, oh, that's all right. Just pull out your notes. (laughs) And she said, oh yeah, that's right. I have a bunch of notes. And so I'm glad that you started by saying, in my notes, yep. <laughs> it says this. So <clears throat> I knew you would have great insights, uh, whether you'd read it today or yeah. well, two weeks ago or a month ago. One, so. That was one of my takeaways from the original time I listened to it. And I do yeah. remember this one. This one was quite a, a striking and poignant one for me. Yeah. Well, I that paragraph, she talks about other ways that it changes things for us and and maybe she's speaking for herself as well but she says it changes the way you feel about yourself when you make mistakes mm-hmm. it changes how you feel when difficult things happen yeah it changes your view of god's commandments it changes your view of others 
and of your capacity to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really interesting one to throw in there at the end of your capacity to make a difference. I know that sometimes I feel like what I'm doing is not making a difference. And I never connected that to my, oh, I don't know, um, humanity or maybe to the fact that I, I didn't connect what I'm doing with with the love of God. I'm not really sure how to phrase that, but just the fact that, you know, if the Lord, if I fully understand the Lord's love for me and um, his involvement in my life, then of course, my understanding of my capacity to make a difference will go up and the meaning of, of what I'm doing that makes a difference will go up as well. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. You know, that makes me think about uh, President Nelson, since he's become the prophet, has been calling for us to to participate in the work of the second coming, in the preparations that are going on, in missionary work and family history work. And maybe this can inform some of that too. When we understand our identity and we understand God's love for us, we will, we can better know that we do have something to offer. Sometimes I think we think, I'm not going to make a difference. What do I have to offer to this work? But we're his children, and and he, he gives us blessings and opportunities and capacity, and that is what we have to offer. So that can help that can help us understand how we can make a difference, right? Yeah. You, you restated what I was trying to say, but you did it in a much more (laughs) eloquent way. So thank you. You (laughs) captured exactly what I was trying to go for and didn't get to. So, um, well, let's go on to other parts of this talk that were meaningful to us. So, um, the next paragraph is a quote from Elder Holland and he says, the first great commandment of all eternity is to love God with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. Mm -hmm. But the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. Now, when I read that quote today, in preparation, um, I thought, how did she quote something that Elder Holland had just given in the very last session of conference right, right before she talked? I had that same thought. Yeah, I was so confused. And so then I looked, and actually that's a quote from a 2016 talk. So apparently when Elder Holland said the exact same thing in the Saturday morning session, he was quoting himself, I don't know, or just restating the principle. Um, Still true. Still true. And in fact, the fact that he repeated it, you know, helps me to think, well, that was something to emphasize. And now she repeated it again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, repetition is good for us to understand emphasis. And But I love how he frames that, you know, here's our commandment, but the first great truth is that God already loves us. So, um, and, and as we just spoke, hopefully um, we move past loving God because we've been commanded to and loving God because we, we want to and we're motivated to. So I really like that quote and I liked hearing it again and realizing, oh, this is something that's been repeated before. So. Um, Burke, what what other quotes from here stood out to you or were meaningful? Um, you know, I don't think this quote probably should have been as meaningful. I should have realized this already, but... Um, Uh-oh, I'm getting nervous. Further down, Nephi understood that in the birth of the Savior, God was showing forth his pure and complete love. And it's such a simple 
statement. Um, and, you know, is sort of that catch all for Christianity. God is love. Um, but literally the birth of Jesus Christ was God's love. His life is an example of God's love. And all of his teachings demonstrate God's love for us and how all encompassing that is just, I don't know. I kind of blew my mind, even though I feel like I should have already known it. (laughs) So how does that simplicity, how is that different from the, the way maybe it's thrown around, as you said, where it's the catch all for Christianity of, of God's love. So what, how did, how did this distinguish, um, you know, God's love and its simplicity, but yet depth from that sort of, you know, catch all phrasing that, that people throw around. Um, well, I guess for me, that becomes personal in my relationship with Jesus Christ and the feelings I get of peace and in confirmation from the spirit. Um, when I'm struggling with things, I, I am not, a I am a person who struggles almost constantly with anxiety. And so I commonly don't feel like I've got a great grip on things, you know, like everything's maybe just always about to spiral out of control or there's something right around that next corner. That's going to be really hard. But from time to time, I'll have a day where I have a peace that I can't explain. And I had a day like that this last week when some things happened to work that should have been really troubling and they just weren't. And I got through the day and I was like, wow, I was still really nice to everybody today. And I feel like I did a really good job. And I don't understand why I feel so great about life because it should have been a lot harder. And it's things even as simple as that. And that when you realize that there really actually is a God and he really actually does love you. And if you wonder what that love is like, it comes in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when you pray, when you work on the things in the gospel, the fundamentals, as you call them, then you have these moments of clarity and these moments of peace um, that feel like pure love from the most powerful being in the universe. I don't have a better way to describe it than that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that example. It reminds me of the quote at the very beginning, it's sort of her summary statement, God's love is not found in the circumstances of our lives, but in his presence in our lives. Yeah, exactly. And I love it. Well, Rivka, um, I want to I want to stick with Nephi here for a little bit, and she talks about the tree of life. And was there anything about her discussion here that stood out to you as she discussed, you know, the love of God and the tree of life? One of the sentences that she said um, really touched my heart because. I, it's probably, I mean, it's something I've thought of and I know it's (laughs) something that other people have thought about. She says, sometimes we mistakenly think that we can feel God's love only after we have followed the iron rod and partaken of the fruit. God's love, however, not only is received by those who come to the tree, but is the very power that motivates us to seek that tree. And that is a significant teaching. I think Satan would have us believe that there must be something we have to do to earn God's love because we will all (laughs) fail at doing perfectly what God asks us to do. And then he can convince us that we'll never be worthy of God's love and we shouldn't try, but that isn't how it works at all. Um, His, his love, he loved us before we 
came to this earth and he has loved us every moment of our mortal lives. Um, his whole plan, the plan of happiness is, is, was made because he loves us and wants us to have everything he can possibly give us. So from, you know, the, the very, I don't know, first pre-mortal meetings or discussions or teachings and family home evenings that happened, he has been pouring out his love to us. And so while the crowning gifts of that love in exaltation do require us to do things. The feeling of his love and affection for us and his desire to bless us with anything he can possibly bless us with, that's with us all the time. And it doesn't require us to do anything um, except feel it, open our hearts to feel it. Maybe that's the only requirement because I think it's around us all the time. In fact, later in the talk, right after she says, God's love is not found in the circumstances of our lives, but in his presence in our lives. She says, we know of his love when we receive strength beyond our own. And when his spirit brings peace, comfort, and direction, at times it may be difficult to feel his love. We can pray to have our eyes open to see his hand in our lives and to see his love in the beauty of his creations. And several podcasts back, I had shared an experience where I was having some struggles and was praying for some miracles. We were having a discussion about the talk was about miracles. And, um, my experience with that was I had prayed that miracles would happen, but the answer I received was to have eyes to see the, what I would call miracles, but his hand, the work he was doing already. And, and really the miracle for me in that came in my ability to see how constantly and consistently he was working with me and in my home and in those concerns uh, with those things that I was concerned about. So this is something I have, I can bear witness of and that I have a testimony of that we can pray to have our eyes opened to see his hand in our lives and to see his love. So if you are not feeling his love right now or, or can't see it, I love that that is something that you can pray to have happen. And in his time and in his way, he will answer that prayer. Yeah, that is fantastic. And by seeing it, you'll you'll feel more motivation to do those things that will help you to feel it and see it more, which mm-hmm. will give you more motivation and it it grows brighter and brighter as you as you follow the iron rod. I never for some reason I read this talk and didn't fully grasp the whole motivation thing <laughs> until we've been talking about it. So that's uh that's really blowing my mind here as I think about the love of God being a motivating factor for pressing forward along that iron rod and, and seeing that light from far off, you know, and, and work, knowing that the fruit um, of the tree is delicious and, and working towards that fruit. So well, and I think that's fantastic. The, I think one of the ways that that all kind of ties together um, and it comes to the story that she shared, but later on, she's talking about a man who'd left the church and came back in and he, he's, talks about the same feeling that Rivka and I both just described, this feeling of the love of God. He said he then wondered about his questions. The feeling he received was that God honored his questions 
and that not having clear answers should not stop him from moving forward. Or if you're imperfect, and if you're not there yet, and maybe even if you feel like you don't deserve the love of God, guess what? He still loves you, and he still wants you to take that next step. You know, if we go back to Elder Gilbert's talk, even the desire to increase your slope works. Right. That's fantastic. Well, um, Rivka, what other... Well, actually... Um, Burke, let's ask you any other quotes from here stood out to you or any other parts of this talk that you want to bring in? Uh, I think, I I think just the one I just did. (laughs) Okay, great. Rivka, did you have any other quotes from here? I mean, she, she's sort of giving just various examples of the same point about the love of God working in our lives, but is there another one that was more meaningful to you as well? Another one that I really loved, she said, five years ago, I observed an example of divine love while attending primary in Russia. I saw a faithful sister kneel in front of two children and testify to them that even if they were the only ones living on earth, Jesus would have suffered and died just for them. Um, And I love that because once again, it it is um, a testimony that while the Savior's atonement spans, <laughs> the, uh, you know, every everyone, it encompasses everyone who has ever lived, that it is given, the blessings of it are given one by one and individually. And I don't know how that worked, but at some point, his, his suffering... And the compassion and enabling power and and redemptive power that came through that was done individually for each one of us. I'm pretty Absolutely. sure by name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved that part. What a what a beautiful thought um, for that individual love that that he has for us. Well, the invitation and promise here I saw were at the very end in the last. Uh, paragraph, really one sentence where she says, may we open our hearts to receive the pure love of God or pure love that God has for us. So that's the invitation. And then the promises, or I guess it's all one invitation really, but it's sort of a promise as well. And then shed forth his love in all we do and are. So she's that's sort of a combo there. She's inviting us to receive the love and then shed it forth. But I really felt like that that shed forth was a promise as well, that as we receive the love from God, we'll be able to go out and bring it to other people um, in a way that we wouldn't have before. And I think of that tree, you know, going back to the tree of life, sort of going and getting the fruit and then being able to bring that light to other people and, um, you know, help them to see that light and and bringing them up to the tree as well uh, so that they can see the light along the way, but then taste the fruit when they reach the tree. So did either of you find any other promises or invitations here that stood out to you? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So this is actually similar to what you just said, but earlier on, okay, she doesn't actually say she invites, but she says we can pray to have our eyes open to see his hand in our lives and to see his love in the beauty of his creations. And I think that is so important because a little further on, she quotes um, President Nelson, and he said, quote, the more committed we become to patterning our lives after his, 
the purer and more divine our love becomes, unquote. And for me, this is a hard admission, but I'm not naturally a very, dare I say it, loving person. You know, I, I think I slant more to the introverted, self-concerned, um, I want people around me to have happiness, but I don't always understand how I have a part in that. And right. so for me, this is this is huge. Like if you really want to learn how to love other people, then you pray to see his love in your life. And then you become more committed to patterning your life in that way. And then your own love becomes pure and more divine. And I have actually prayed for years almost every night that when I go to work the next day that in the way that I deal with the people I come in contact with at work that I will be an example of the love of Jesus Christ and I don't know that that I can say every day that happens but I think if I'm honest with myself if I look back to a period you know eight nine years ago before I started praying for that commonly I I feel like I'm a different person and I certainly hope that I am. That's fantastic. And what a, what an application, not just sort of wanting that to happen and and hoping it does, but, but praying and working towards that. And, and you talked even at the beginning about, you know, having those days where, where even if things aren't going well, you're able to feel peace and deal with things well. So, and Rivka gave sort of the same example about being compassionate where maybe, um, it would have been harder before by seeking that and and praying for that. And I think it's along the same lines of feeling that the love of God, the charity for people around us. So um, Rivka, anything else to add here before we close? Just that as we're sitting here talking about this and I'm reading through some of these statements of hers, it's helping me to understand a little better um, what he means when he says that his way is one eternal round. And I think that's the best way I can understand how when we open our hearts to receive, what we get is an increased ability to open our hearts to receive. And when we shed forth his love and all that we do and are, we get an increase of the ability to do that, that it, that it just keeps like almost cyclically growing that, and maybe this harkens back to the last talk too, with the, with the pray and act and study and act. And just as we do, the more we do, the more he increases our ability to do. And so then we do more and then he increases our ability to do more. It just, um, anyway, that's just what was going through my head was that thing about his way being one eternal round. I feel like this is helping me understand that better. Yeah. I think, um, um, brother Worthen, president Worthen. that's, his title, President Wortham from BYU, he talked about that iterative approach, right? Yes, yes. And uh, Elder Whiting's talk about climbing Mount Fuji one step at a time from mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. a couple conferences ago. So, yeah, just that slow, gradual, circular ascent to the peak is what we're after. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a what a great talk, and it felt really short when I read it, but there's so much in there to think about in terms of the love of God. Um, So I really appreciated it. The next talk we're going to discuss is addressing mental health by elder Eric W. Kopischke of the 70. And this is the one where he gave the invitation to study the mental health part of the gospel library app. So 
I've been working on that invitation the whole time and I'll keep working on it, <laughs> but I'm glad we're finally going to read the talk where he um, issues that invitation. So um, between now and the next time, you can look us up on social media by uh, searching for Words of the Prophets podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or emailing us at wordsoftheprophetspodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, and we love to hear um, your insights into these talks. I got a few messages this week, and I enjoyed reading them and responding to them. So, But uh, until next time, thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.